Put that coffee down. That's a clown question, bro. Okay, another episode. Here we go. Off script with Lance Zerline and Eric Layden. Today's guest is Tug Coker. Tug is an actor, a writer, a creator, a director. He is currently starring in a show that he created called Now We're Talking. Very funny show. Um, it is the story of two ex-NFL quarterbacks, former teammates on their quest to find post-career fulfillment in the ever-shifting world of sports media. Uh, so I'm sure Lance will have some notes for him as, uh, as he has watched the show as well. Uh, Tug also portrayed Larry Bird on Broadway, Magic versus Larry. Um, excuse me, I believe it was called Magic Bird is what it was called. Yeah, it was called Magic Bird. Uh, he was on The Office. He owns a wine bar. He in Los Angeles. He played Division One basketball. He's just an all-around good dude. Knows his sports, too. So this is going to be a good one and uh, very, very relevant for Lance and I. He crosses into both arenas. Uh, so enjoy this one. Tug Coker. All right, here we are. Yeah. Tug. What's up, dude? Is that a uh, Brewers hat? You know, it's funny. Everyone asks, but my bu- I have one college buddy who was the number six overall pick for the Detroit Tigers named Seth mm-hmm. Greisinger, 1997 or 80. He was a few years older than me. Oh, a left-hand pitcher, wasn't he? Uh, well, he was, no, he was a righty, but, but, but and he took a couple – he played for the, uh, the Olympic team in 96. I saw his first game in 99. I think he started uh, for the Tigers against Roger Clemens when he was with the Blue Jays. He lost 5-2. to two. And so he, he ended up playing in Japan, and this is the Japanese – Oh, what team, team that he played for? I, I, it's, I don't even know the name of it, but I, but it's like everyone asks me about the Brewers. It's not that it's not any of the big time teams, but uh, gotcha. Because we we started uh, in the pandemic when there was no sports on. We got it. We we started to dabble in some Japanese baseball because their <laughs> league started. No, I was more Korean of a deuce on top. Oh, was it Korean? I was a deuce on. Yeah, oh, God, it's I could get canceled for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, very, very problematic. What you just did. Yeah, I had, yeah. I was KT Wiz. I was KT Wiz. Yeah. I, I still am KT Wiz. Something. Once you're KT Wiz, you never go back. You don't, you don't go back. It's very similar to being an Everton fan and in, in premier league soccer. It's that KT Wiz and the Wiz got off to a poor start. Then they got red hot after a while. Which um, they always I ordered do. a shirt. They always do that. <laughs> they always do that. I ordered a KT so Wiz now. shirt. I know. Yeah, I got it about nine weeks later. It took a long time from Amazon, and I wear it with pride when I'm out and about. And I had one guy at the neighborhood pool goes, "Hey man, where'd you get that?" I said, "Oh, it's a Korean baseball." No, I know it's KT Wiz. They're like a deadlock <laughs> on the over on the first five innings of a game. I'm like, "You're betting first five innings of a game baseball?" He goes. Oh, fuck yeah. KT Wiz are a major over team right now. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I got it from somebody who had like zero stars, was not a verified, uh, I think he was selling his first thing ever was a KT Wiz shirt. It was quite a, you know, it was quite an impossible dream to get the KT Wiz shirt in, yet I got it. Look, I love it. I feel like, 
that 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 is a degenerate gambler if you have gone to Korean baseball first five innings over. That's that's bad news. You're people were going into like uh, remember people were doing like table tennis. People were so desperate to wager on stuff. Like people were doing like Russian table. Do you tennis. gamble? I'm not afraid to throw. Oh, some money 100% down. I mean, Russian. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm definitely a follower of gambling movements. I, I try to. I'm not you know I'm not the best at it, but I do like it. <laughs> if I was better what at do it, you I gamble. I, I mean, I do like all the tight markets, which is stupid. I like NFL. You know, I'm happy to gamble right. on NFL. I'll gamble on um, basketball. The, the biggest one that I did was um, I got into a gambling ring maybe three or four years ago where we bet on hockey. I don't know if, anything about hockey, but but we are guaranteed to win. Uh, so my buddy and I, we bankrolled ourselves. Basically, it was huge swings. Huge, it was a chase system. Huge right. wins and losses, right? So game one, you chase to game two. If you lose, you chase game three. And then game four, you win or lose, you're done. First year, we did great. And that's the problem because yeah. the second year was an absolute nightmare. And I, I lo- ended up losing um, – I didn't even watch any of the games. I lost $5,000 on a um, New York Rangers-St. Louis Blues game that I didn't even know was going on. It was just a part of the system. So let uh, me guess. So this is – is this the kind where you you double up? So if, if you yes. bet $500 the first game, then it's 1000 the next game. Yeah. And then it's 2000 the next game. Yeah. yeah, because that way you get your initial bet back. You keep, and, and I mean, you keep making one unit at a time. Correct. And the problem is with hockey is that there's puck lines. And so it's like, it's like, it's like in baseball when you're betting the run line, like, you know, plus one and a half, mm-hmm. minus one and a half. So if you wanted the plus, it would cost you – 300 you know 335 a huge number huge juice 300 to win 100 and we were doing that so in a 400 dollars bet we bet 1200 to win 400 and if we lose that we're down 1200 so it was now you gotta bet you gotta get your 1200 back i mean in in case you were wondering that that was like a, a, a sophisticated system that's what I did when I bet roulette when I was 15 on a cruise. I would put five dollars. I would put five dollars on red, and if it was black, I'd put ten dollars on red, and if it was black, I'd put twenty dollars on red. And uh, yeah. so the system tug is, I mean, not very sophisticated. No, but- not that sophisticated. It was more about the teams. It was more about the sophistication was in targeting the teams, mm. um, like like the matchups or the strength of schedule or whatever. Sounds I mean, I, like it. I agree. Year two sounds like it. It was year one was great. Year two was so bad. Year two was such a disaster. Um, can you? Okay, you guys are both uh, sports fans. Can you? Can you believe you both see what's coming? We're gonna go from gambling bad, gambling bad, gambling bad yep. in every sport to we're probably two to three years away from the entire thing being on every network, every in stadium gambling. I mean, it's going to yep. go completely bonkers and it's amazing how quickly the turn is and the revenue has always been there. It's just amazing how the, um, the mindset and how tight the buttholes are, uh, in the past are really loosening up about that. You know, I started, I made, it's I like had weed. my own ha- handicapping. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is like weed in that way. I started my own handicapping, uh, service when I was 24. That's how I got my and I knew I wanted to do that, and then I could make some money because I I learned how to handicap games in a in a pool hall in New Orleans called uh, the uh, the Sport Palace. And I was a student at Tulane, and so I learned how to handicap from a guy who was in there who was actually not a like a degenerate. He had actually 
worked in finance at Freeport McMoran. He had retired and he taught me all this, you know, the numbers and how to come up with power ratings. And um, it's funny, I was invited in 2000. I was invited to speak. I was young, but the the Houston Chronicle uh, sports editor was also the head of the AP Sports Writers of Texas. And he invited me uh, to Austin to speak with there was going to be somebody from the NCAA and DeLos Dodds, who was the AD at University of Texas. And the whole thing was about whether or not newspapers should have, uh, it, it, whether or not they should eliminate uh, gambling lines, the point spread in there. All they would do was have the daily line. They would put it in there. It was nothing. And college sports was trying to get, the NCAA was trying to ban this or get rid of it from sports. And I was making the point that, you know, Gambling is what single-handedly a lot of sports books actually monitor where the action is, and they can tell where there's discrepancies, and they can pick up where a possible uh, point-shaving violation may be happening because of uh, irregular betting. And it was so funny watching the lost Dodds because you know all these Longhorn alumni are betting their ass off every single weekend with their are. local books that they go duck hunting with. And yeah. he's just sitting there like, well, I mean, I guess they wanted to eliminate it. That'd be fine. If they didn't, that's fine too. Like he had no interest in being there and I'm up doing head to head battle with the NCAA. And I realized when I was driving home, like they probably don't really give a shit about this. If they knew they could make money off of this, they just haven't figured out how to make their own money yet. That the tide sure, has not turned yet in terms of, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the moral compass of people like, Oh, gambling is so horrible. There's yeah. just too much money to be made in it. There's just a, an inordinate amount of money to be made in it. Uh, and, the, and now with like, um, action network HQ, like the app sure. you can have on your phone and you can literally watch like in game, you can watch how your bets are doing. You could look down at your phone at one point, you have four or five bets going, you're up, you know, you know, 12 grand. And then within five minutes, boom, depending on what happens in the football game, you know, a lot like they do on, on the, on the percentages, you know, like the chiefs have, you know, 80% right. chance of winning this game. And then he throws a pick and it drops down to 20% chance. And so that's what it's doing with your wallet the whole time. And while it's up high, you can double down on things. It's all going to be like real time. It's happening so fast. And I always say like, um, like, like I love party interruption. Tony, I mean, I grew up in Virginia, so I read uh, the right. post, Washington post. And so Kornheiser and Will Bond were my guys, and and Kornheiser always says the answer to all your questions is money. Um, yeah. And it's like it's like what piece of the pie are you willing? Is the NFL willing to get to have this? And as soon as that becomes like a partner, of course they're going to do it. I mean, the NCA mm -hmm. is going to do it too. I mean, it's not it's only a matter of time. But yeah, I mean, I love. I, I hate to say this, but I really love. I, I like the analytics behind gambling. I think it's interesting to to, to watch, and that's why I've, you know we're all TV and movie fans. I still have you guys found a movie that you felt like truly replicates the feeling of a big wager? I mean, there's two for the yes. money. There's, there's some, what, what are some yes. of the movies that you found? Okay, but it's not sports. It's not um it's not sports. The same feeling when you have when you had all that money resting on the game, because I had one, I, I had given out picks. I used to answer the phone every day and give out my picks. So when you're on a losing streak, that is no fun to pick up the phone and give people yeah. your picks. Yeah. And so <laughs> yeah. I remember I had a big five-star game in basketball, which is my highest rated game. And it was like, I think it was on the Miami heat, um, my, minus First half points, money line. whatever the case. No, no, no. It was for the game. Yeah. And by the, the end, 
this is yeah, it was not a first of 50. <laughs> that wasn't around then, but it's it's around now. Yeah. First yeah. to 10, first to 20, first to 30. So anyway, um, the game is like going up and down. And I know I don't have any money on this at all. But when I used to give out picks, I really have everybody's money on it. It's like I sure. have thousands of thousands on every big game. And this was at the end of the month. And if I don't get there with this game, there's going to be people who probably don't sign up with me for the next month. And this was all I was doing at the time. And it came down to the very end. And I'm like, I, this is no lie. I'm in the bathroom, like gagging, like I'm almost throwing up. I'm so sick to my stomach, nervous. I'm like, oh, uh. and then whatever happens, the last, you know, people make free throws and Miami ended up getting a cover. And I was like, God, I don't know if I can keep doing this. So I've been there and I know the feeling that you went, the ups and downs of that game you had, Tug, where you yeah, needed that to get there. But but Tug said, is there a movie that has yeah. made you feel yes, that way? Yes, yes. So I'm going to tell you the same feeling because I've been through the gambling one too. The first 30 minutes of Hotel Rwanda where I'm about to shit my pants when the Hutus are coming after the Tutsis and 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 uh, what's his name? Uh, this is an amazing cop, by the way. I, I'm, yeah, I'm already I'm just telling you. This is kind of... <laughs> This kind of shit I think about. Hotel Rwanda, I am literally scared shitless that they're going to bust into that hotel and find the Tutsis and hack them to pieces. And I'm freaking out. The same thing with the storming, uh, the, the Normandy in uh, Saving Private Ryan. It's Saving Private same, Ryan was good. Oh, my God. <sighs> and you're so nervous the whole time. But the difference is the ups and downs of gambling where you have the peaks and valleys in a single game. But – I thought about the most. Oh, here's another one. You want to know the game? Here's one. Sister Christian's blaring, and the little, the little Asian guys throwing firecrackers. No, in boogie nights. Oh, and there's Thomas nights, Jane sitting me. there, all coked out, getting ready to bust you out. Love that and still, scene. yeah, I love that scene Dude. in market because they're all freaked out. It's every time, like everyone's sitting there, and every time the firecracker goes off, everyone's freaked out and nervous. That scene is a nervous scene. Or how about this one? How about in the they're in the bottom of Inglorious Bastards when yeah um, when they're under the, the guys, oh, that one or when he's yeah, doing his accent mean, right? he's yeah. doing his accent and he's not sure and they kind of pick up he may not have the right accent for where he's supposed to be from and there's all that tension down in that bar. Uh, yeah, the scene in the floorboards oh, oh, too. Oh, the scene at the bar. Yeah, the scene yeah, at the bar. Exactly like, oh that. shit, that's the same as. You know, that's the same as needing your your, your third or fourth but leg nothing. of a parlay to come in. Thank you. you know where, I know where you're going here. Nothing. I know where you're going. Now you know, Todd. Just, Eric doesn't I just, know. No, I just don't. I love money more than you do because there's no way. I didn't say you did. The feeling of, of, of losing your money could ever be replicated by watching a film. Personally. I, mean, I, I, I that's what I'm talking so. about. You, you cited like great dramatic tense moments, but not like... Not like I never seen like a uh, a scene where guys I never want to throw money. up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think about for instance. I mean, my wife would kill me because the money I have. It's just I didn't want to tell her about it. But I'm like trying to. It's like we have like I have a four year old and a two year old. At the time, I think I had just one kid. But I'm like trying to put the kid to bed. But I'm like half doing it while I'm checking my phone the entire time. Like I'm more way okay, more you concerned about the game I'll, than I am about. I'll the give game. you one. I'll give you yeah. guys one. It's it, it was one recently. I thought Uncut Gems actually did a I've really good that. job. No, that's a good point. I, I've I don't know if that. you got to say Uncut Gems. I thought did a really good job with Adam Sandler of capturing because he really needed to get there for that's this win point. with the Celtics, and and he was like 
that's one of the only ones I've seen that really captures it really well. Cause not a lot of people have really tried to, you know, I don't think. I, I, I enjoy gambling when I go to Vegas, I enjoy playing craps. I enjoy playing blackjack. I have never enjoyed sports gambling other than I used to do a March madness trip with a bunch of guys. We'd go to the sports book, have drinks and, and bet on, you know, college basketball games over the course of that weekend. That was fun. You're the energy of the sports book when, you know, especially a tight game, you know, that, that I enjoyed, but I was, I never got anything, you know, I never really got anything out of being home by myself or checking it on my phone. Not like I would at a crafts table or a blackjack table when I'm around people and I'm actually making the decisions. Like when I'm making the decision to hit or stay, or I'm making the decision, you know, at the craps table, that to me is way more fun. And so I feel like even if I lose money, I enjoy, uh, maybe not enjoy it, but I had, you know, like the experience <laughs> itself was worth it. Well, I, I mean, I, I love Vegas too. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I like Vegas. It, it feels like Vegas is very polarizing, right? I, people like really don't like it or really yeah. like it. And I, I think I fall in the light camp. Uh, I do. I do I, for sure. I do. At least yeah, for the once first I three days. By, by the end of day three, I'm like, uh, three days in Vegas? Yeah. Oh, I'm 24. Yeah. I'm 24 hours. I buy I buy oh, clothes that I perfect. throw away the moment I get home. Um, <laughs> and I just, that's Why? it. I immediately, what? You can't wear the Why same clothes. Why do you throw you your clothes away? Because they smell like Salem's. What's the They're, rule? You can't. No, I mean, no, there's no, you can't be in a smoky casino and ever wear those clothes again. They're ruined forever. Yeah, some so of them buy, aren't smoky anymore. Some no, of them aren't I smoky. Buy, go, I buy some jeans and uh, and a t-shirt and then they just get thrown away. They go to Goodwill. You buy burner right clothes? I buy burner clothes. You, you buy burner clothes. Like also, so also in case something goes down, nobody nobody recognizes me. There's no <laughs> DNA. There's no DNA on the clothes. Should something go down? Hey, are you, you the know, guy from? You want to build a fire? Is that you? <laughs> That's me. Are you the build a fire guy? <laughs> I'm excited for whenever Vegas comes back. I mean, I spent you know I, I got engaged there. Um, What'd you do? Was it a big like to do? No. No, because I was, I've been with my now wife for a long time. I think she'd like it was basically like a like let's do this or let's let's end this sort of sort of thing. <laughs> so you were um, like, fine. That's know, always that my, interesting yeah. fork in the road. Well, you know, my, my I, we dated for like nine or ten years before we got engaged, and I, and all my friends were like, "How are you pulling this off?" And I'm like, I, "I don't I don't know." But like, one, I think around the year eight, I finally like one. I went from like. Being like happily dating to like wanting to be married. There was like a, there was like a shift. And you so, didn't want to get married before that. I was like, I want to get married. I didn't feel the feeling. I don't. I don't know if you guys have like. It's, everyone has their own sort of relationship to to marriage, but I was sort. I think I was just like. I mean, I think my my statement was like, I'm really enjoying where we are, and I feel like, well, I am I going to like be? Am I going to feel differently if we change it? You know what I mean? Well, Eric um, and Katie started dating him when he was in fourth grade. So that was like locked down forever. <laughs> totally. Not true at all. And my wife is actually a listener of my radio show. So she knew what she was getting into. There was, I actually yeah. proposed to her on a, a radio segment. Um, I was pretty confident she would say yes. Cause I was on doing my football analysis that I did every Friday on a different show on the same radio station. And then she said yes. And then we went to Cirque du Soleil. Like everybody does. 
Wow. Wow. Yeah. And would you and I did get a little PF Changs after that? No, we didn't do PF Changs. Uh-huh. We uh, uh, need some lettuce cups and head no. home or what? <laughs> I like that you act like lettuce cups aren't the shit. That's pretty cool that you're acting like lettuce cups are not a delicious treat with the stir fried chicken, pork, and just a little hint of some water chestnuts in there. Just enough Nicole, for texture. Nicole, Nicole, uh, taking you to the cert, and we're in PF Chang's, baby. Getting us some lettuce cups, all you can eat. Cirque de Soleil. I couldn't. I could not marry a, a cert performer. That just wouldn't work out. I I think anybody that works in a circus is just certifiable. Like you can't just the lifestyle and anybody that's been to clowning school for too long, you can't trust them. (laughs) Was there ever a time in your lives? Yeah. Clowning school, obviously, but was there ever a time in your lives, either one of you, and you can even say when it was where, and it was probably a low point in your life where you could, where you might've said, I probably would have hooked up with a carny worker at this stage <laughs> of my life. Now, obviously, this carny worker is going to be, I mean, you know, you're, it's going to have to be like a nine for a carny, which is like a, a carny. Five, six? Yeah, like on a real scale. I don't know. But this is there ever a low point where you said, it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's not. I'm just asking if a carny. No, it's not. I'm asking if you ever would have worked. You are putting a number value on a one. Yeah. Or someone who identifies as such. And it's you. I didn't me, say it had to be a woman. I want to move on. Okay. What age were you when you know you would have been with a carny? I. For me, it would have never, been 17. Now, I, no, I was definitely in theater school and in some, in some movement classes with people that I could see <laughs> have gone on to become carnies. <laughs> but, but I was, but it was never. Pre-carny. My, I, yeah, it was pre-carny. I mean, it was not post-carny. Yeah. Yeah, I was, was I was never I don't think I've ever been with a carny, but I, I'm not ruling it out. <laughs> right. You know, I think there's still an opportunity to to take advantage of that relationship. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, that's the thing on that. I don't think there's an expiration date, if I'm being yeah. honest with you. It's not like, oh, those days are behind me. At any point could be that day if the right carny comes to town. I guess. The I bearded guess. woman. Oh, that's which oh, wow. Which uh, wow. Wow. In twenty twenty we're doing that, which, Eric. Are we beard shaming now, or what are we doing here? Are you trying to get us canceled again? Tug, Tug, you, you and I have something in common. Uh, I'm switching gears hard here. Yeah, you and I Go have ahead. something in common. We were both we were both college athletes. Um, That's so correct. you play. <laughs> you yeah, always you play, do this. What? What? You always go to the college athlete card. Well, I mean, it's just something that we have in common. That we got a bond. So I figured, yeah, so I would segue into this. Um, as you know, I played I played lacrosse at USC um, in the, in a program that's known, Club you know. Team. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Um, you, played, you played basketball in college. You went to William & Mary and then transferred to Virginia. That's right. That's right. I, did I you did. play basketball at Virginia? I didn't. I certainly tried. Um, and right. that was really a segue into my – my, you know, acting career was I, I played, I went, well, I had a red shirt, a medical injury my freshman year. I transferred to UVA because I'd been recruited uh, to go to UVA by Jeff Jones, who's in the coach. They wanted me to go to like a prep school for a year. I didn't really want to go to prep school. And then I sat out my year. And then the junior year, they brought in a new coach. And basically like, th- this was around the same time, like Vince Carter and Rashid were at UNC. 
And then they, they, tr- I tried, they tried me out and they were like, I don't think you can guard Vince Carter. And mm. so Vince Carter ended my career. <laughs> and you were like, what the fuck? Of course I can. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, so yeah. So I, I, I mean, I, I, I definitely had aspirations when I, when I transferred to UVA to be on the basketball team. You know, I, I did, did all the requisite things to be a part of the team and then they run a new coaching. And that, that was really like the low point of my 20, whatever it was at the time, 20 years, because I, everything I'd done so, you know, up to that point was, was sports related. And, um, but I'd always liked it acting. And so I had a teacher there at UVA who, who, um, who used to teach at a, a grad school up in San Francisco called uh, the American Conservatory Theater, ACT. Do you know that, Eric? Uh, where I, I've heard of it, there. Yeah. I, I, that Benning yeah. went there for grad school. It's a really good school. So he like pulled me aside. And similar, I've heard you talk about this in your previous you know podcasts. Like he was like, if you really want to focus on this, you could you can do this, but you need to like do it. So like that really shifted my focus from being in the sports world to being in the acting and entertainment world, and. Um, it just so happens, you know, I'm, I'm a big guy. I'm six foot five. And so much of the stuff I've done have been, <laughs> has sort of been uh, circulating the sports world. Um, you think that's held you back? Like, do you think that's been difficult? Like, there's been times where you've not gotten roles because you're six five? I want to say yes, but Army Hammer's out there doing fine. So uh, is Army six five though? Yeah, I, mean, I used to I used to work with Army. I feel like he's not quite as tall as you. But we is he six, you know five? We, we saw him around at this the, the old acting school, and yeah, he's a pretty big boy. Yeah. I mean, like there's enough big dudes out there. I, you know, I think I think there's Army's there's, a beautiful man too. That is very 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 beautiful. The easy on the yeah, eyes. He's a handsome my, man. Yeah, my, my wife who was you know not married at the time, she she, she saw him many, many times in class, and I felt threatened. I felt very very threatened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, yeah, I, th- I think, no, I but think seriously, it's, it, you know, for people that don't know, like uh, they're, you know, when you go into an audition, they often, they will ask your height, um, because when they're casting people opposite you, obviously they're trying to figure that stuff out. And, and, you know, I would say the average height for a, a, a leading woman is probably like five, six. And so if you're six, five, five, six, that could, it, that a lot of times can prove to be difficult on camera and for a million different reasons. So there's a lot of, there's and, a lot of Apple boxes. Yeah. A lot of Apple boxes, which are boxes <laughs> they put short people on. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that, that obviously is something that I, you know, is, is something that is totally out of your control, but certainly something that probably did play a part in, in certain roles. For sure. But I think it also happens to, I mean, I, if, let's take your, let's take the right stuff, which I watched, um, the pilot of from the first episode yesterday. Uh, congrats on that. Nice. I got, Thank got you. a bunch of, a bunch of buddies on it. My buddy, Michael Trotter went to college with him. Yeah. He's um, not, he is not six, five. No, well, that's, that's kind of my point. Like sometimes <laughs> right. you get, sometimes you get jobs for being whatever it is you are. Right. Like, so I think like, right. does, you know, just, does, does, does Trotter who's, you know, probably five, seven or whatever, get jobs or lose jobs because of his height. I mean, I think, I think I learned, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I think the moral of the story is like for a long time, I probably got hung up on it. And then I realized like, there's nothing I can do. I mean, I think nope. so much of what we talk about you and I, or even Lance, like so much of our career is like, if we start worrying about the things that we can't control, then we are done. We're done. You're done. Yep. You're so, dead in the water. Yeah. Yeah. You play to your strengths and you, you figure out what your strengths are. You diminish or, or improve your weaknesses if you can. And then, uh, you know, you go from there, but 
if you're really good at whatever it is that you do, there's a place for you. I mean, you can, you can, you can fit in the role you did. You did Larry bird. Um, I do have to ask as a guy who played, I probably spent more time in the gym playing basketball than I did like in classes at Tulane. So giving up five bets. That's all. Yeah. That's <laughs> all. I, yeah. I spent more time in the sports palace and Riley, uh, rec center. And so what, or kind, whatever what kind of game called. did you have Lance? I was, I, I, I picture you, 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 no, like I was a big pretty good guy. Like no, no, no. Defense, I was good pick guy. I was. Uh, I could shoot. Not, not no mid range. No mid range. You can. You know what? You can Google my name and three point something like that, and you'll see me against one of my former uh, radio hosts shooting threes. And uh, Daryl Morey sent it up in uh, shooting threes in uh, Toyota Center. Yeah, I was nine okay. to twenty five. I went around. I got hot at the after right. the top, but. Yeah, I can shoot. I can play a little bit. We had a good group of one guy was from the south side of Chicago. Uh, one guy was from Mississippi, used to guard Chris Jackson in high school. Vince from California. Ron was from Washington. And we had this crew, like five or six of us, that would play pickup games and we'd hold the court. And to us, that was the most important. Well, to them, holding the court and going to school is the most important for like four of our friends. And then for me and another guy, it was just about holding the court. And then, of course, you know, That's staying it. up late. Yeah. And, and drinking, right. but, but for everyone else, they wanted to hold, we all wanted to hold the court. It was after that, you know, kind of things fell apart for some of us, but, um, you had to be, I'm guessing you were a three, not a two, you're two size, but I'm guessing at William and Mary, you were a three. I think that's right. I was, I, I think I played a lot of, I played Good a lot player. of point four, point four in high school. Um, and I was, you know, I was, a, I was a, Decent player, you know. I think I was in the all regional teams and all met in DC and things like that. But um, yeah, it just didn't. It just didn't work out. I, I think. I think I, I played a big, uh, really high level AAU. Went to a bunch of national championships. Oh um, wow! Yeah, but, so um, you were serious about it. Well, you played yeah. Larry Bird. So this is a big deal. You played Larry Bird, which that's on not Broadway. easy on Broadway. Um, that's not easy to do now on Broadway. It's not the same as a movie or whatever, where people just get caught up and they want you to, your looks and mannerisms, everything to be perfect. But you know, Larry bird, the, the he's, he is larger than life. Larry legend. Uh, what was that like for you in terms of tell us about the production and what it was like for you to, to play that role? And what did you do to get ready for it? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, we're talking about height, and I think a lot of the big things that have come from my career, a lot of things that people know me for, are height related. I mean, you know, I did the, uh, I played uh, John Krasinski's brother on The Office, which I bring up because everyone brings it up to me. The Office is such a popular show. I get more comments about The Office than 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 anything else in my you know my career. And I, w- I remember walking in. Uh, Allison Janney is a famous casting director out here, cast the show. And she's like, you could be John's brother. And I, and I booked the job and he, and John Krasinski was like, he has a real life brother who's six, eight and another one who's six ten. So they were, they were looking for big guys already. So it was like one of those things where like, that's where you get lucky because you're, you know, you're, you're on the taller side. Um, and then I think similarly, what's, uh, so the magic bird experience was amazing. I mean, I think everyone has aspirations to be on Broadway. Um, and to me, it's like the, the pinnacle for me was like, it's like where my acting career and my athlete career sort of merged. And so it was a way for me to say, you know what? Uh, you always wanted to be like a professional athlete. You're not. But like this is, a, this is a special time for you to play basketball in front of 
Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, people who came to opening night. Now here I am shooting, you know, baskets on a Broadway stage for these people. Uh, you know, the great athletes of you know of my life. Pretty pretty amazing story. And but the 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 journey of how I got the show is is you know I listen to your podcast and I love when you guys talk to other actors about their you know, parts of their journey. You know, I was living in LA at the time, and you know they're like, "You want to audition?" And I said, "Yeah." Um, I, had, I paid my way. I flew my way out there. I flew my way back to New York. I auditioned for uh, Tommy Kale, who's the director. The next show, you might know him because he directed Hamilton. That was the next show he directed. Um, <laughs> um, big, big sports fan. If you guys met Tommy Kale, you would both love him. Um, great dude, really down to earth. He's from Virginia, so as soon as I got there, he went to a private school. But I was like, where would you go if you went public? I went to a public school, and he said T.C. Williams, which is um, which is the show. Remember that? What's the Denzel movie? With the, um, where he oh. plays the, remember the Titans? Yeah, oh, right? yeah, Titans. yeah, yeah. So um, – so he, and we started talking about high school players that he that we both knew. It was like an instant energy. And I went in and just I don't know if you, I'm sure you have a couple of these where you're like, wait, did this go really well? <laughs> you, you know, like, yeah. Did, this, did, this, did I just like outkick my coverage and this go better than I thought? And then um, totally. So I got like two days later, like the, over the weekend, they're like, we want you to come back in on Monday. I went I went and auditioned. I did it one time, and I was like, oh man. And I, they're like, can you just wait outside? And the cash manager came out and gave me a hug, and I was like. That's never happened. Um, and so, I, you know, I ended, fly, <laughs> I ended up flying back home. And like two days later, I got the job. And I was like, I can't, you know, it's just one of those. You, you, I mean, I'm laden, you know this as well as I do. Like, I'm sure, it's, you know, Lance too. It's like, there's certain calls you just, you'll never forget. Like, I remember that yeah. call forever that you got a job saying you're going to be, you know, a lead actor on Broadway. <laughs> and like, I, you know, I'm just a working actor. It's so, it's even harder now to become a working actor that's on Broadway. It's all about the Daniel Craig's of the world and, you know, like the, the star wattage, it's just not easy to get on Broadway. So, you know, the show and it's certainly one of, it's certainly a box that we all want to check. I mean, Absolutely. any of us that, that, that uh, are, you know, certainly that have a theater background, we all want to check that box, you know? Um, so to be able to do it, but to be able to do it and play an iconic figure like Larry Bird in front of Larry Bird Talk to us a little bit about that. I've played, I'm playing one now, but I've played real people, had the opportunity in some instances to meet with them and others to not meet with them. But um, I've, you know, to actually be portraying him in front of him is like a whole different set of stresses. So did you spend some time with him beforehand? And then did you get to know him a little bit? And then what, and what was it like when, you know, you actually went up on that first, first night? Yeah, the um, we never met beforehand. Now we we he made himself available on the phone, and um, so I drove I drove from L.A. to basically New York, stopped in French Lick, uh, Indiana, where he's from. Uh, mm -hmm. Went to Terre Haute, where he played basketball in the state. So I did all that that sort of fun research that we all like to do, and then he made himself mm -hmm. available. And I remember I remember um, we had a phone call at my parents' house. Uh, so I went back to my parents' house in Virginia, and I got a phone call with Larry Bird. And I was just so nervous the entire time because then my mom would pick up, ah. like we were back in high school, you know, like she would pick up on the downstairs line and be like, Tom, right. dinner. I'm like, no, mom, I'm talking to Larry. <laughs> right. I'm on the phone with Larry fucking Bird. No, <laughs> you're not. Hang up, Tug. Yeah. And so, like, right. you know, as a person who, like all of us, really lo loves sports, like I just en really enjoyed that research. I got to talk to Bob Ryan and Jackie McMullen. I went to a game you know, and talk to Danny Ainge pregame and just got to 
get all these fun stories about Larry Bird that I couldn't get anywhere else. And um, I have a voicemail to this day that's like eight words that Larry Bird left me. It's like, hey, Tug, it's Larry Bird calling. I'll try you later. That's it. I'm like, this is never going off. He just saved it. Yeah. He just saved it. So what – so like who are you – was there a guy who you – you brought up Danny Ainge's name, and I'm just going to go off script here just for a second. But uh, my my roommate in college, his favorite player was Danny Ainge, and my roommate in college is named Lonnie, Lonnie Elfbaum from uh, Sharon, Massachusetts. Like I'll never forget the third day we're in college. We got the answer machine, old school. Beep goes off and, Lonnie, yo, this is Gary. I'm fucking hammered. Oh, my God. The girls hear it. Uh, Where was it? It was in Georgia. Um, What's the school in Georgia? I can't remember the other private school, but he's like, Lonnie, I'm so hammered. It's fucking great. And so it's this thick Boston. I was so excited about, oh my God, a Boston. So my roommate, his, and he was typical mass hole. You know, he had the spiky hair, hat backwards. He had one stud in the left ear, little man syndrome, who was, you know, would wear tank tops and lift a lot. He's an awesome dude. Lonnie was great. All arms. He's got, oh no, every day was an arm day. (laughs) Every day was an arm day, bro. And so he's got all these Danny Ainge stuff. And I'm like, fucking Danny Ainge. Like, that's the worst. You can't be a Danny Ainge. Nobody's a Danny Ainge guy. Well, when Danny Ainge got traded that year to the Sacramento Kings, I came back to the room and Lonnie had destroyed the whole room. He had <laughs> thrown all the shit all over. Teddy Graham's all over the fucking place. Like his books were th- – he fucked up our room because his team, the Celtics, had traded Danny Ainge to the Sacramento Kings. And I came back, and I'll never forget my favorite player back in uh, when I was younger was this guy. Well, it was Hakeem Olajuwon, but there was a guy that I loved named Lewis Lloyd. They called him Black Magic. Yeah. And he was one of the guys who got kicked out of the league for cocaine. You remember him? Yeah. Of course. So I got kicked out of the league for Coke. And I just told him I went in there like the sage. (laughs) I always liked all these thugs for some reason, like, you know, the worst guys, the Coke dealers and the guys with gun charges and Cesar Cedeno. When I was a kid, a guy actually shot his own girlfriend, you know, behind his wife's back. And it was involuntary manslaughter. My dad's like, you picked the worst favorite players, Lance, when I was seven. I'm like, sorry, I don't know what I'm doing. But, um, I'll never forget. Room. I'll never forget. We we uh, I went back there like some sage father, and I'm like, man, I know what it's like, Danny. I I lost Lewis Lloyd um, <laughs> when I was younger too, and it hurts, man, and it's going to keep hurting. But uh, let's pick these Teddy Grams up together, and let's, uh, <laughs> you know, your Celtics are going to be fine, and you can still watch Danny Ainge on Sacramento King, you know, televised broadcast, which you really can't find anywhere. But uh, yeah, did you guys ever have a a favorite player that? just somehow it, something broke your heart or, or maybe you had a great moment with it. Clint, when they, when they traded uh, Roger to the Rangers, I was, I was pissed. I mean, excuse me, Nolan Ryan to the Rangers. Oh yeah. Well, he, he was a Ranger free Roger agent. Clemens he signed as when, a free agent. Yeah. Right. But when, when he signed with You're the Rangers, it, it tore me up. It tore me yep. up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of one that really does. I mean, I'm, as a Celtics fan, I, I mean, that, seeing Ray John Rondo win one for the Lakers is not. Oh, that favorite. had a wasn't yeah. That, you know, wasn't that's that not sweet? a great feeling. That was uh, sweet. I love that. <laughs> no, I mean, I love Rondo. Way, playoff, that for me was weird. Playoff Rondo, he was huge in that series. I don't think they I mean, win. Recognize that series him. Well, shooting threes, awesome. Yeah, yeah I mean, dude, I mean, he I mean, was great. Everyone yeah. talks about like how the Lakers. Th- 
how they gonna find that number three, right? Who's that number three? Everyone thought Kuzma all year long. Kuzma was not his best self in the playoffs. No. So nice for Ray Rondo step up. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, the other thing that's funny, I was gonna mention this. They're doing the play uh, years ago. I, I I'm not. A, I'm a Celtics fan, so I'm not a Lakers fan. But like Frank Vogel brought <laughs> the entire Indiana Pacers team to the show because Larry Bird was the GM. So like David West. Roy Hibbert, George Hill, all these guys coming to see the show. We can meet up backstage, and Frank Vogel is the nicest guy ever. So I was like, "Yo, I'm I'm on board with Coach Vogel wherever he ends up." And I wish he wasn't the Lakers, but now he's a champion. But you were happy so. for him. I was yeah. Happy do you for him. do you did you have any of those backstage moments that you still remember that were just like surreal? You know, when you're on Broadway, uh, people come to the shows and then, you know, a lot of times celebrities will come backstage, meet the actors, you know, talk. And so was there any of those moments where it was just, you know, surreal meeting guys? Like, did you meet magic and oh, yeah. what was that like? Oh yeah. yeah. That, that was amazing. I mean, that, that was, it's, the show was a weird show because it's like a sports centric show where most, most of, I'm, not, I'm a Broadway fan and I'm a Broadway musical fan, but most of Broadway musicals and, and the, the Broadway community are geared towards more women like you know it's it's not a show that's really built it was built for like a fan base so the, the very first right. night there was the very first night there was a lot of jerseys in the broadway house like those guys wearing indiana state jerseys like not what you typically <laughs> would expect for a broadway right. show but the, but the producers had a successful run with a show called lombardi um the, oh, yeah. like earlier the year before maybe they ran the show with dan loria and judith light and um, that did really well. So they're trying to like hit a niche. And um, so I remember opening night, um, everyone like David Stern, John McEnroe, you know, all these people were here. And of course, Larry and Magic came to the show. And on the very first night of first preview where everyone was wearing the jerseys, we had a bas- we had a basketball rim. And to make me look a little bit taller, they lowered the rim to like nine, eight, nine, six. So they would kind of make me look like I was even bigger than I was. And um, I'd have to shoot like 10 or 12 baskets uh, a show. And I tried to do a reverse layup and I missed it. And I was mortified because I was like, I'm, 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 I'm supposed to be the best player in the world. Playing here college I am, basketball. Like, what? Yeah, I mean, but I'm also Larry Bird. You know what I mean? I've got the wigs. I got the, I got the whole look and there I am blowing it. How so. tight were you when you had to like – that's like – that's like pulling a club back. You're in front of Phil Mickelson and Tiger standing behind you. You've got to yeah. try to get off a drive on a driving range. That had to be, oh, you had to be well, tight trying to. And oh, Larry's uh, got that shot. I got a jacked up shoulder, but Larry's got that shot no, that, to that the side of got. his head. Yeah, there it, is. there it is. There it is. Well, the thing is, I'm left-handed. So I I, tr- I, tr- I didn't tell anybody this. I went, I went with my girlfriend and now wife, and I went and shot baskets at the park, 100 a day, shooting right-handed. I would just, I would just practice shooting right-handed. So. I ended up trying to keep my shots pretty short because I was doing, you know, I wasn't, I'm like, I'm like, I'm not losing this job because I'm the wrong hand for Larry Bird. I'm going like, <laughs> to oh, right-handed. Yeah. So, so um, you had to, you had to literally go out and learn how to shoot right-handed. You're, yeah, the, you're walking out the door. Hey, Doug, you're, you're Jay, just like stupid question. You're right-handed, right? Uh, what? You're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Yep. You can give them an that though. They didn't ask that. And, and my, my, my uh, buddy uh, who played magic, Kevin Daniels, great actor. Um, he went to Juilliard. He's, he's from Houston actually. Um, or Dallas, maybe he's from Texas. And um, he, you could tell he's, he's a very raw athlete. Like, you know, he, if he wanted to play sports, he'd be, he'd be awesome, but he never really played a lot of basketball. So 
we end up spending a lot of time being like, what can what can we what can Kevin do to make sure that he still looks good? And so I end up doing most of the basketball just because I was so comfortable with it. And the fun part is Larry's very ambidextrous. So when I went left, it felt good. You know what I mean? I was like lying to the people. I'm like, I'm really throwing a left you, hand. You didn't, you didn't want your boy looking like Philip Seymour Hoffman and uh Rain Dick! Rain Dick! That was so good though. Make it rain! Um, no, exactly. That's a, we'll talk about this when now we're talking, but um, you know, I, I really care passionately about like how people look when they play sports because everyone it's like when Eric, you know, or goes to shoot a gun or, or even or myself, you know what I mean? It's like if if, if you do something to take people out of it, it's over. It's over. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I have a, I have a uh, buddy of mine who is a, a Navy SEAL and he's got a podcast and, and he had this long running thing on his podcast where he would go through movies and where anybody was doing any sort of tactical scene and just pause it and just absolutely just blow it up with the way their <laughs> gear was set up, yeah. the way they were shooting guns. Oh, the way they, I mean, no. Just at, and as you can imagine, like, there are so many tactical fuck ups in movies, you know, that those guys can pinpoint. But I yeah. like that too. When I see somebody who uh, doesn't know how to like shoot baskets, you know, or or play baseball in a sports movie, it drives me insane. Absolutely. Uh, or, or you could tell somebody's fake smoking a cigarette. Like they've never, not only have they never <laughs> smoked a cigarette, but they don't want to smoke a cigarette. And they're like, oh, that's it. <laughs> you know, it's a dead giveaway. Right? <laughs> yeah. You just can't have that. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So for that night, you know, when we opening night came and everyone's there, you know, it's like one of the greatest nights of, you know, God bless people out there who had multiple Broadway openings. And I'll say this openly: I want to do a Broadway show again, and I'm happy to not be the lead. I will be an ensemble player. I'm just happy to be a part of that energy every night. I mean, you know, Layden, I've seen you in a play at the Geffen. Like, there's nothing better in the world to me than walking up Times Square out of the subway and be <sighs> like, gotta make my 7:30 call to be on Broadway. Yeah. You know, and like the you know, and um, and so much of the team, the, the the designers, stage manager, they all moved to Hamilton. So like they all like have now touched, you know, what what is legendary status. But I remember yeah. like the, the stage manager, Jason, would be like, it's another another beautiful night. It's Saturday night on Broadway. And you're like, this yeah. is unbelievable. You know, you're like, it's like a real pitch. Yeah. And it's Love a whole it. incredible <clears throat> whenever we'd stand there to, you know, because my wife loves we go, we go watch musicals, plays, all that stuff every time we go. And it is amazing to see the energy in New York, not just in the, but, but when people come out, you know, everyone's all jacked up and we've seen some pretty good ones, but to watch someone come out like Brian Dennehy, we were there with Brian Dennehy and Philip Seymour Hoffman at uh, long day. No, not Death long of the day's salesman. journey. Death of the no. salesman. No, it's Long Day's Journey. I I that was Long Day's Journey, yeah. I, I thought, oh, it was yeah. Long Day's Journey. And so, Robert Sean Leonard was also in it. And, and Robert Sean um, Leonard, yeah. And so yeah, and Philip Seymour up on so the Red Grave, I believe. Yeah, it was an amazing, you know, we yeah. so we're standing there and these guys are coming out, and Brian Dennehy comes out and is talking to my wife. I'm sure he's, you know, trying to like, hey, what's going on? And she's and she's frozen. She just can't believe Brian Dennehy is talking to her. She can't even and just Brian Dennehy, Philip Seymour Hoffman comes out like it's not any big deal. And meets up with his buddy who was in the show that I was watching at that time called Lucky. And he's been on lots of stuff now. He's a guy that it's kind of like you, Eric, where you would know he's been in a lot of different roles. He's done very well working actor. He he really does um, a good job in everything he's in. And uh, anyway, it's just cool to see people come out and they 
They come into the streets of New York and sign autographs or whatever. And then they disappear into the night. Like people don't, it's like they don't, they're amongst, they're amongst the people yeah. of New York. And then they just keep walking and keep walking. And before you know it, that's that. And people don't bother New York's them. And cool like I just that. think it's cool as shit that watching people yeah. do the Broadway thing. I just think it looks awesome. Yeah. No, it's when it's Ray special. Liotta was walking to the cornfield, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Disappear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And it's a, so. Speaking no, of, you just talked about. You just talked, to Eric, about guys being able to, uh, to, to you know, the tactical stuff, right? They break it down and they know when and they watch for things that aren't being done right. See, that's what I'm going to be doing with Tug now with his show. Is I'm going to be watching nonstop to see. If all the announcing things and all the sports announcing, this is this is my time to. Sh- it's kind of like I'm a Green Beret, also only for uh, sports casting. Well, yeah, no, you you're the gold. You've got the golden microphone. So, just by the way, we're we're talking about Tug's show. Now we're talking, which Tug is not only the star of, but also created uh, and produces and <laughs> writes. Uh, so you wear a lot of different hats in this thing, which, uh, I'm just, I give you so much respect for because not a lot of people can pull off what you've been able to pull off in terms of, uh, you know, taking it from, from inception all the way through production. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really excited to get into that with you. Well, I appreciate the time. And I'm really excited to talk about it with both of you because I know much you love sports. I just want to put put a quick button on the Broadway thing because I know, Eric, I know you wanted to say something. But uh, but it does relate to – a lot of the inception of Now We're Talking is just start from the end of Magic Bird because on opening night I, – I and I wanted to get, make sure I got this in for your listeners. It was like one of the weirdest nights of the theater I've ever experienced because it's like playing for king, the kings of the court. Like that's it's, it's a punny thing, but it's true. It's like – Magic and Larry were in the center of the, the show watching the play about their life. No one was watching mm-hmm. us. Every single person was watching Magic and Larry to say, like, do you guys like what you're seeing tonight? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So it was the weird, that was the weirdest performance I've ever done because people had half an, and everyone always says opening nights on Broadway are weird anyway because there's like photos. It's like the reviews have already, the reviewers come early. They don't come opening right. night, they come early. And so it's sort of a chance to celebrate, but it was an odd experience because um, no one was watching you. They were just watching Magic and Larry. And luckily, you know, it was a good I talked to Larry after the show and I went and saw Larry later on in, um, in Indianapolis and Magic came to the show two days later. So like, it was like a, a, a thumbs up, but uh, you, you know, it was sort of the precursor. I've always loved, sh- you know, sports so going from there to now we're talking is great but i know how much eric you love the theater too so i just want to make sure that you got that in Um, no i that's it's incredible man i mean i you don't understand that experience until you're up there and lance has done some so he does but just the feeling of being up there on the boards and and the energy that you get but also i can imagine where you know on opening night you're looking down and you're just hearing larry and magic you know, and you're watching a house, watch Larry and Magic, watch you. That's exactly um, right. And I can imagine that being like a, a very uh, odd experience. You know, you're wondering, I'm not really even doing this for anybody. I'm doing this for two people and then a crowd of people watching those two people. It's true. I was like busking uh, on the yeah. street, you know what I mean, for Magic and Larry. So, um, so where it, did you come up with the idea for Now You're Talking? Uh, did uh, you and Tommy, were y'all friends before? And this is something that you guys did, to, you know, came up with together? 
Yeah, you know, I, I, I've been thinking about it for a while, and it's funny because um, from Magic Bird, you meet relationships in the sports world. I did another play called Take Me Out. I don't know if you know this play. It's a sports uh-huh, play. Yeah. Um, uh, one of my first professional productions, I did a play called Take Me Out, and I met um, uh, Lance, you may know TJ Quinn um, of ESPN. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, his dad was in the play with me and um, just had a great time and meeting all these contacts. And I, I remember just talking to him backstage about, like, the dynamics of, of – of like ESPN behind the scenes. And I just, I was always just fascinated and still am to this day fascinated in the sports media world. And I'm, I'm, I'm always like um, imagining uh, the journey of like, wh- why do certain athletes end up where they are? Like, why are some, why is Tim, how does Tim Legler end up at ESPN and mm-hmm. James Worthy be at, you know, regional LA? And like, and I just, and I just had, I kind of had fun like thinking about the journey these athletes wanted to take post career. And then, and so many athletes, as you all know, like they end their careers when they're 30, 35, some are lucky to touch 40, but they still have half a life left or more. And so how do they kind of similar to us talking about like the, the feeling that we got from being on stage, how do people chase that feeling again for the last half of their life? And I'm like, is it existential crisis? I don't know, whatever you want to call it. To me, I think of it as like, what do I do now? Like transitions are universal to all of us. And I wanted to do that through the world of, of a- actors. And I mean, I'm sorry, uh, athletes and sports. It, it, it's very unique uh, for actor turn or for um, athlete turn broadcaster or sportscaster or really any, I, I've had this kind of, I had that epiphany with, with a, a former uh, NFL player named Marcus Coleman back in, he used to play with the Jets, Texans, Cowboys, and he would come up every Tuesday, I think it was, and we'd talk uh, about the Texans or football with Marcus. And he was out of the league by then. And then he started showing up like a couple days a week. And then he was just coming in every day. Like he was just – and then he was like laying on the couch just sleeping after the show. Like he was just hanging up here. And he just said, I'm just so bored. I'm so bored with life after football. And I talked to Aaron Taylor's a good friend of mine who is um, a CBS announcer. He, he does college football games and was a first yeah. round pick from Notre Dame. And he sure. said, you know, he developed, he spiraled out. He and I were talking about this as the senior bowl one time. He said um, he spiraled out of control, drug addiction, alcoholism, um, you know, thought about suicide at one point. He said, the thing is this happens with a lot of athletes. It happens with a lot of athletes because their whole life has been geared towards they're defined by their sport at, a, at an early age in most cases. And you keep going and you're the best and you're the best and everyone loves you and everyone loves you. And you get these, these privileges, this and that, and you have a certain amount of money. And then you have all the camaraderie, right? In the locker room, whatever the case may be. And once that's gone, once the camaraderie isn't there as much, once the people don't love you and talk about you all the time, maybe it's with the money dropping off. But most of the time he said, even when you have money, it's, it's irrelevant that, you lost your identity. You completely lose your identity. And it really causes a lot of drug issues, alcohol issues, depression issues, because guys are in their thirties and like, well, shit, now what do I do the next 50 years? And so the big thing over the last 20 years has been athletes getting into broadcasting. That's uh, because they reconnect with the sport. And um, that's really a really big thing. So what you're doing right now, um, now with now we're talking has never been more timely because I see so many and they have so many, uh, like the NFL has different types of camps and they have different types of which yeah. you guys have that camp, uh, in, in the yeah. very first, first episode, but yeah. it has, um, 
what you see is you see former players trying to learn how to be broadcasters very, very quickly, taking a crash course. And some guys have it and some guys don't. But it is connections. There are guys who aren't very good who get in. And the thing is, if you're not very good, there's a million guys behind you now trying to take your yeah. job. I mean, you look at a, uh, and both you guys know this, um, Dan, uh, oh, the backup quarterback who's on ESPN now. Orlovsky. Dan Orlovsky, Orlovsky. Yeah. yeah. Dan Orlovsky, he wasn't any kind of a, a great NFL player. And he walked he out of the end zone. But you know what he did? He started, yeah, he did yeah, walk out of the end zone on a, on a winless team. But he also um, – he also started just getting a big Twitter presence and he was putting game plays up there. And this is why the quarterback didn't do this right or this right. And he really pushed, he pushed himself out there. And before you knew it, he was on ESPN every once in a while. And now, you know, he's a fixture. Well, the other thing uh, that a lot of these guys are doing, I know at a lot of, depending on where they are in school, you know, SC has a sports media program. A lot of these guys are, you know, their majors journalism with an emphasis in sports media. So, which is great, you know, because that is a, a very probably likely path, uh, post athlete, you know, after your athletic career is over to move into that. So, I mean, an opportunity to like work on that while you're in school, uh, you know, playing football is, is I think a really smart move. You guys do a really good job of that tug, like talking about what Lance just talked about, where, you know, losing that identity and feeling lost. You have, you do a really good job in the show about showing that, you know, the, the, uh, uh, what is Tommy's character's name in the show? Tommy Arendal. Tommy Arendal. Yeah. Um, you know, and you can see that, I mean, he just, you know, he's, he peaked, right. He peaked at, at that moment and he's still living in that presence and, and just reaching for it and wanting it. And, you know, I think for guys that are yeah. our age, we can all relate to that. And there's a, there's like, it's sad in, in, in a way. And it's funny in your show and we laugh about it, but we laugh about it because it's sad. That To me, that's like the fair, my fair kind of humor is that there's a lot of realism in the humor. I, I like to use the word grounded absurdity um, as a phrase <laughs> because it, it's, it feels relatable, but the sports world is absurd, right? Like these people's lives. I think about like one of the comps we had is Tommy, you know, Tommy Dewey, if you, you might know him from shows like casual on Hulu or the Mindy project. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we got together and we, we designed this idea of like, what would be fun for us to do a buddy comedy. He actually made a show 10 years ago. I don't even remember this called sons of Tucson. It was on Fox. Oh yes. It ran for 13 yes, episodes. Yes. He, he yep. wrote that he was like 30 years old, you know? And so like, I, you know, I've, I, you know, he's a good friend of mine, but it's always fun to watch people, um, create stuff for themselves. And, um, you know, and I, and I wanted to be a part of that. And we just decided that a taco shop, like, here's my idea. He's thinking the same space. Like we ever seen like a buddy comedy. Like what's the, isn't there something funny about like two guys doing a, you know, trying to be broadcasters together. And so, yeah, Tommy Arendahl's character is basically a guy who, who who would touch some success. Not very much. We the comp for us was like a Blake Bortles and a Chad Henney. Like at the right. like Jacksonville <laughs> Jaguars, right? Like they're 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 not very good, but they're still the number ones and number twos on their team. So they get all the massages first. They get like you know, the food first or whatever. But but they're not very good, but they're still one of the 30, 40 best players in the world at their job. Exactly. You know right, what I mean? Right. So right. they get all the treatment, just the, the world doesn't respect them. And so for Tommy's character, we always thought it was fun that he, like, like you said, hanging on, 
you know, the teacher probes him at one point. He's like, you know, I'm doing great. I got a condo in uh, Sedona. You know, it's a corner unit. I'm doing great. But what's great about it is, though, you capture also the essence of, okay, you're taking it serious. This is what you're doing. And here he comes. And then all of a sudden, you've got the number one and number two dynamics again, like that backup whole thing. And he's sticking it in your face. And so the idea that you are now like, oh, shit. And your wife is, you know, so mad when she finds out that he's involved. And so now all of a sudden you thought you were out of it and you're right back into the same dynamic potentially with the same guy. Yeah, my my character is Tug Tanner, and it's very important for everyone who makes their own shows to to name themselves uh, yes. in, in the character. I mean, Mindy, Rami, everyone does it. You know, it's just the rite of passage. Yeah, to- um, totally. <laughs> By the way, Tug Tanner is a great quarterback name. <laughs> yeah, like Thank come you. on. I, I mean, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, it rolls. I can give you a backstory. A Tug a Tug Tanner would have played. Either. How would you, how would you, uh, how would you, will you give a draft profile? Yeah, absolutely. On Tug Tanner, Tug Tanner probably Tug Tanner based on your height as well is probably out of, uh, we can't do Wyoming cause that's Josh Allen, but a Tug Tanner probably play, might've played at Boise, but I'm thinking he's more of a gunslinger who came out of like, uh, uh, um, you know what? Let's make Tug Tanner, uh, let's make him a Mormon. Let's make Tug Tanner. <laughs> Uh, a BYU right out, quarterback. He played for the oh, played, BYU, not the No, Utes. let's okay. make him Utes because he's got a little edge. Yeah. So he played for yeah, the I Utes. Was say, yeah. Yeah. Polynesian yeah, line. Yeah, for like, sure. For sure. Yeah. So he's got, yeah. well, you're left handed. So he's got a, kind of a big, long wind up delivery, but he can really throw with a lot of velocity. Doesn't throw a great touch on his short passes, on touch passes. He needs to work on that. Um, he likes to really air it out. He's got a lot of explosive plays, but does have a bad tendency to overthrow uh, receivers in the middle of the field. Tug How is, is he out of the pocket? Sneaky. Yeah, he's, he, uh, he's, a, he's a pocket quarterback, but he can move a little bit, kind of like a Blaine Gabbert. He's got, uh, okay. He works out of the pistol and the gun, not a whole lot of work under center. Tug has – he's a little more sca- – a, his escapability is better than you think. Once he's outside of the pocket – and he can take off and run a little bit because he was an outfield. He was a center fielder in high school as well, and was drafted in the seventeenth round, but chose to go to college and play football. And then uh, Tug, yeah, Tug is also a guy who um, he's going to slide. He's not going to take a lot of shots when he's running. He prefers to slide, which is a problem on the team because most college quarterbacks think they've got to show that they've got balls. And Tug's like, nah, I'm you know. There's something more for me. I, I'm going to make it to the next level. I'm not going to get knocked around. And he played around. baseball, so he he knows how to slide. He knows properly. how to slide. He's very good, which you don't right. see a lot of right. times with six five quarterbacks. No. So that's right. uh that's tug. That's tug. That's a great, I like that draft profile. I, yeah. listen, I love that draft. You know, the way I always saw tug was um, he was you know a, a first round draft pick just built based on size alone. Like he had yeah. all raw talent, but he, he always he all measurables exactly. Always got in his own way. That's a, that, that was Tug. He thinks Tanner's too much. Problem. Thinks too much. Overthinks. Tug overthinks it. And Tommy is a sort of like a little more loose, loose, able to scramble, play in the moments. And that was an issue that we saw with him. And, and Tug, Tug Tanner's character is like, you know what? Um, I, I, I underachieved as a professional football player, but I will put everything I can into becoming the best broadcaster of, uh, you know, of all time. And what you see with season two uh, and and uh, is a season two is a real satire on the sort of sports media landscape, and we do a lot of things about um, 
you know, how the, the hot take culture and how like Tug gets swept up into the hot take culture. He makes like a hot take. People gravitate towards it. And now he's like loses himself because he's like chasing the hot take. He realizes people start he's, wanting to. He's Skip Bayless to all of a sudden. He yeah. becomes Skip Bayless. Exactly. And he's like, you know, what? I found it. I've got this thing. People are coming. And, he's, right. and then they're. So, and we, and this, a lot of this was like uh, doing research with friends that worked in the sports media world. It's a real um, thing. You nailed it. I mean, that's a real, it's like somebody looking for uh, retweets and likes and they start getting, they're intoxicated by all that attention. That's what the hot take crowd does is they, you know, they realize they get that uh, attention and, and you lose. Eric and I have talked about this. I mean, I, this is a big problem for me in sports right now. No, no, not the what? sex tape. Yeah, it's no, a great no, no. question. No, I think something um, different. I thought I was on mute. So. You know, no, as yeah, a person no, who no, wants to create things, and, 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 and um, cool. but that's the, a big problem. This is the right very first thing that in general is Tommy and I made together real conversations. I mentioned this to you off, off air, but like you've done a lot of comedy, and comedy has a real fruit and hot takes. There's kind of nuance. You guys are nailing, so we wanted to instead of like people reading our script, we wanted to show our simple out every day. Tommy and I made a proof of concept. One person. A friend of mine who that we then Fox, sold to Warner Brothers. So he gave me a, a nugget. So we sold to Warner Brothers. The they then passed it on to um, uninterrupted LeBron's camp, Mav Carter, LeBron. Just and we all powwowed and said, you know, just do something um, to you know, it would be great if we brought some real we'll uh, authenticity to the world. Like, just um, find a way to that's be something where uninterrupted feel like they could they can really service the project. I took that to mean like, and we agree. Are you familiar? We see that in regular media nowadays. Are you familiar with the league? Because it has it has a great feel. I mean, a similar feel to the league in terms of how you intersperse. You guys, have you know the athletes into what you're doing, but your comedy is not lost. Yeah, you know what? One of the reviews that we got was like, "This is a show that can be a replacement for fans of league," and we took that you know, it's awesome. A lot of pride. Because we're, we're it, it is a world that we wanted to play in, and um, was it part of I think it is fun. You know, Eric and I talked about earlier. Like, we don't love company. seeing I mean, you know worlds you, that are inauthentic. That? Like, and this feels like it brings more for you truth like, into the world, and also because people like another reason to tune in. Frankly, like I always like to see when I see cameos. Turn a joke. Like, I think of like Sports Center commercials, right? Like, it was always fun to see the Sports Center people on our TV letting their hair down and having a good joke, you know, whether it was Charlie Steiner or, or Van Pelt or whoever. So for us to bring in, like, like you mentioned, like uh, in season two, we have Carrie Champion from ESPN, formerly of ESPN, Chris mm-hmm. Broussard, uh, Andrew Hawkins, you know, Merriman. Uh, we mentioned uh, Kurt Menefee. So it's really fun to see everyone come in and, and um, turn jokes. I will say there is a fine line with how much you want to give uh, certain people, you know, that aren't really <laughs> I'm <used> sure. To, <laughs> like I'm <you> sure know, <laughs> there are, you know, we're 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 on a schedule here, and so you know, there every, everyone was good. Everyone came in prepared, but some people like like actors too want to come in and pitch some improv, do some jokes, and you know, because they're doing you a favor, you want to say like that was great, that was excellent. Can we just get but one time not- <laughs> the thing that's, <laughs> that's on the page? <laughs> and then we'll do whatever you want to do. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, let's get one. For, right, you, let's get one for Plaxico. One for Plaxico yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> did you? Did you? Yeah. Did you? Uh, did you? Did you have to check? Like, make sure he didn't have guns on set. I mean, it was Plaxico. Did anybody fucking with him there? Plaxico is my guy. Eric. Plaxico is my guy. Plaxico is from Virginia. Um, so we had the best time talking about high school football in Virginia. 
uh, came in and crushed it. Um, yeah, he, like everyone was good. Lance Briggs is an awesome, uh, awesome linebacker. He was an awesome actor. Like you always get impressed when people are actually like, like you can actually do this. Where can people watch Now We're Talking? Yeah, this, no, this is actually a funny journey too because when we first uh, sold the show to Warner Brothers, um, LeBron and Mass Company had a deal with, with an upstart platform called Go90. It was a Verizon. It's very similar to Quibi. And so we did the first season there. And the first season is a series of like seven to 10 minute short uh, episodes. Um, and uh, the model for us was always a show on HBO called High Maintenance. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that show. Yeah, 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 yeah. love it. It's awesome. So, yeah. yeah, High Maintenance started on YouTube. It moved to Vimeo. Then it moved to HBO. And so that's something oh, that wow. we, always, uh, we, we always felt like, you know, was hugely aspirational uh, for us. And so, um, you know, season one went well. We I got into the Writers Guild. We had a Writers Guild nomination for season one. I was, you know, obviously very thrilled with that. So they want us to do more. They want us to do more short form episodes. And we were like, that's hard. Like ideas are ideas. It doesn't matter how long they are. Like, like if we're going to do it, let's do, we wanted to do eight half hour episodes. And they uh, agreed. And thank God they agreed because, about, uh, you know, about a month or two after we finished the season, the, the platform closed. The, pl- the platform, the platform shuttered. Uh, it, we end up with the CW. So the CW, we, we're now on CW Seed. Uh, which is a place where you can go on your uh, Apple TV or Roku or Amazon Fire or phone or computer. And then eventually we're going to be on the CW app as well, and hopefully other places, but it's free. Check out the show right next to Shit's Creek. And you think about this underdog show made by two guys who started the yeah. top. And now here we are next to Shit's Creek. Like, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm pretty awesome. proud of that, to be honest with you. Like, I, it's so funny that, you know, Absolutely, man. And I mean, it is aspirational and you should be proud that it's sitting next to Schitt's Creek. I mean, Schitt's Creek was a show that, you know, they made for pennies that started on pop and now, you know, then people find it so many years later and they clean up at the awards. And, um, you know, I, I think it just goes to show that if you, you know, you don't have to have a ton of money to get it done. You know, you have to have a, some supportive pieces you have to have the studio you got to have the network you have to have the people that are willing to distribute it but if you do uh content always kills and you know if you have good content it will it will it will break through and uh and you guys certainly do dude it's really it's a really funny show mad respect that you guys were able to like you know bring this thing from its infancy and actually get it made i know how hard that is to do and it's it's really cool that you've been able to do it well, I really appreciate it. And one thing I always say, like everyone talks about how uh, shows are going more and more niche, like niche audiences and niche con- – and the thing I say about sports all the time, I feel like sports is the biggest niche audience. Not, not everyone in America likes sports, but a lot of people do. Yeah. Reach out anytime you want. I'll give you some ideas of different stuff that uh, that I've I've seen or experienced that, that might be funny for you to, uh, you know, expand upon. Well, one, and one Tug, thing, yeah, I don't know if I don't know if you know, but but Lance has he's got characters in his bag. Oh. And if you need somebody on the show, I would love to make sure that what Lance about if you need Philip Rivers. I can right now go out there and throw for three three hundred and seventy four daggum yards. I don't care who it's against, man. That's gonna be badass. Well, wait, Philip doesn't say badass. That's gonna be but bad. also that's gonna be bad as heck. Lance, Lance, this isn't the radio. We have to show your face oh, yeah. too, so you can't right. play. You can't fill Rivers, but 
But we got to try to find something in there. A washed up ESPN oh, radio host, yeah. maybe? I'm oh, in. I've, yeah. I've listened to the episodes. I've listened to the accents. I've listened to the conversation. Yeah. I know what's going on. I know the talent really <laughs> lies in this podcast. I can, do, I can bring in a fake Lou Holtz. Uh, we can do any numbers of things like that. That's, that's where it is. Um, no, Lance, I, it's a visual medium. It's not I know, radio. But I you created can't play a character. these characters. Listen, you can go right now on YouTube, SEC guy. Portland. Dude, exactly. And you can go there see me go. dressed in. Yeah, you can go see that. Or now, your I vet have, guy, or your I gambling no, guy. I, yeah, Tony the Hatchet Man Valentine. But yeah. yeah, that one actually has a lot of legs. But SEC guy, I had to shut that down. Turn off. I was like, this this guy cancel culture got to me. the best. Of him. Yeah, yeah, I was like. I immediately thought, oh, I don't, I'm going to preemptively shut all this stuff. Eric hasn't mentioned his aspiration. You know, you're quite aspirational as well, Eric. And if you go all the way back to episode one, when we have Lance McCullers on, you oh, yeah. said when the season was over, you yeah. couldn't wait to, that you asked him if you could stand up at the, uh, at the dish in the box and let yeah. him throw. Yeah. And you want him yeah. to throw you fastballs, curveballs, because you think well. you can get some wood on it. Well, if he does what he did in game seven, I probably can. You're, if he does what he does in game seven, you're going to get hit by a pitch. If he, if, if he hangs one, I might be able to. I don't know. If, are we, why are we, are we, are we, is this game seven McCullers or what are we, what are we? Uh, uh, no, this is, this is the, this is the, the game that uh, he lost game two against the race. So he's dealing. Oh, he's he got a fast. Yeah. yeah. He was yeah. nasty in a loss, but, um, but Eric said, yeah, he's going to – he told me he's an athlete, Tug. I know you. You play college ball. That's what he tells yeah. me. So I am really looking – now he has – now Fine. raise your hand if you've made the opening jump shot at a Rockets game. Oh, look, Eric just raised his hand. Raise your hand if you've thrown out a first pitch in a Major League Baseball game. Oh, look, Eric's throw, raising his hand again. So I can't totally rule him out that he's going to no. yank McCullers curveball out of the yard. But no, 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 I won't go out of the yard, I, but I will get it out of the infield. We started it with gambling. I'm just going to let you know that wager is off the uh, that that is off the board. They are not it. They can't put a line high enough on you not making contact. You wouldn't. OK, me making you contact. You not make with, contact. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Colors. Ten, ten pitches. Ten pitches. I get I get ten pitches. My thousand plus, year hundred plus, for charity. Plus twenty three hundred. You, 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 oh, that's a better number. I was trying to go low on you. No, plus 2300 is the number. No, uh, no, because Lance may pull up and let you try to hit one, dude. If he's actually throwing real gas, you cannot possibly get your bat speed around to hit a major league fastball. It's not possible. It's not possible. I'm gonna start early, I'm gonna start real early. The, the bat better be swinging. You better start it the day before. Lane, you need to complete the trifecta. Would that be, would that be golf? Like, uh, cause I, you know, I, I see your Instagram. You, you're playing a lot of golf out there. Maybe golf. The starter. Phil, that'd be the Phil starter. Somebody. I think, yeah, one, no, maybe I could. One fairway. I think, I think to, 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 to fulfill the trifecta, like if there was like a celebrity field goal, you know, like at a, at an NFL game, you know, because I feel pretty good that I could hit like a 20, Five yarder. Oh, for sure. This needs yeah. to. Can you please pitch this to Maverick? Can we get Eric? <laughs> can we get a character actor who everyone knows they've seen before on something? 
goes out and tries to make his way in the world of professional sports. And I want to do, can Eric, and this could be the first interactive wagering. It's live and the general public can make it. There's interactive wagering where the, you know, the lines are moving and Eric's like, won't make field goal, you know, minus 800, will make it plus 600. This and could be it. Eric I Lady play, tries uh, to do sports stuff and we do interactive wagering. I could, you know, like, can I score a, a free kick on on Hope Solo? Oh, dude, you know, this like, is a show. It's like pros versus Joe's, but only can I, Sh- yeah. can I play Shaq verse? Yeah, yeah. Can I play? Uh, can I play? Can I be a hockey goalie and stop a, a puck? From, I, from, I'm gonna be so. Somebody. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I am going to be so pissed if this doesn't happen. I don't know if Tug can make it happen, but I am going to go out of my way to fucking contact everybody I can to see if I can get this to happen. It sounds like a dream job. Are you kidding me? Just just trying different sports with the, with like greats. That sounds incredible. Yeah, it would be incredible. But I mean, somebody f- slapping a puck at me sounds really terrible. <laughs> it's incredible for us to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I cannot wait for this show. The key is the real life wagering. You know, that's, yeah. that's the key. That's, that might be, <laughs> dude, Tug is awesome. Now we're talking, you can get it on uh CW seed on just about any device you use computer, phone, Roku shows a lot of fun. It's a really fun show, man. It's a really fun show. I really appreciate it. And you guys, uh, and also if you're out there on Instagram or Twitter, you can follow me at Tug Coker. Cause one of the you know products of being the creator of the show, I get to do a lot of behind the scenes stuff. And like, we, I try to show a lot of videos and like, for people who are aspirational to make stuff like in how we made the, the scene work or how we made the video or whatever. So check me out on Instagram or Twitter at Tug Coker. There you go, dude. Love it. All right, man. I hope to see you soon in person. I know. I want to play golf with you, so I'll see you soon. I love it. Okay, as always, a thanks to our MVP friend of the program, Tony Moles over at the Anthem Agency. Tony delivering us some amazing graphic art for uh for our social media great assets if you're a small business new business old business looking for a new look reach out to anthem agency tell tony we sent you a n t h m agency he's on all the uh socials and online blackland distillery out of fort worth serving up wonderful spirits check them out online on instagram blackland distillery f w all right that'll do it we'll see you next week you're listening to Offscript with Lance and Eric. And as Stormy would like to say in a British accent, go subscribe, man.